It's the More Than Just Code podcast. In the light of some twisted media misdirection, we discuss Apple's ability to focus on issues. Are they moving too fast or trying to over-deliver? We also delve into the state of Apple's lauded new programming language, Swift. Is it really ready for prime time? Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitra, I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I am joined by Aaron Vay in Whitby, Ontario. Hello! And I'm joined by Jaime Lopez in... Uh, Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I got stuck on there because I, I'm not sure where Mark is again today. And, I, and we're also joined by Mark Rubens in... Hollywood, California. Hollywood, California yeah. this time. Yep. Hot damn. <laughs> Speaking of hot damn, is it hot damn down there? No, it's much cooler this time. It's it's really? actually very pleasant. It's uh, low 70s today. Cool. Weather. Weather. Is there a point there, Aaron? Well, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, are we really down to talking about the weather? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. Well, thanks for joining the MTCJ podcast. <laughs> uh, Speaking of, of how things are going, uh, I think Aaron would like to lead off with a few things that are happening at Apple or not happening at Apple. Can we have a table flip noise on a podcast? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I've been noticing, and I don't think I'm the only one anymore, that Apple has been dropping the ball of late. And mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of go through some of the evidence that I've been collecting to that effect and uh, get you guys some feedback, or get feedback from you guys about that. Okay. So, um, it's been kind of hairy ever since the keynote, uh, the uh Watch and iPhone 6 announcements, uh, we've been seeing all the software coming out as a result. All the things that have been in beta have come out of beta. Uh, well, not everything, but a lot of things. And we're seeing a lot of issues that are impacting the users of our beloved computer gear. And I'm really concerned that Apple is sort of losing its focus in terms of quality. So... Um, just to just to line it up here, uh, we're talking about uh, the 801 iOS release last week, which uh, crippled the carrier settings on your phone and uh, deactivated Touch ID on the iPhone 6s. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about the bug where by restoring your iPhone settings, which is just a, a really good way to reset your phone if you're if you're got it wedged for whatever reason. It also is deleting your iCloud Drive documents. Oh, really? I didn't know that. True Ooh. story. <laughs> um, we've got issues with Apple's Health Kit. When iOS 8 was released, all Health Kit-enabled apps were pulled from the store because uh, they found a problem on their side that they promised a fix for at the end of September. I guess we're there now, but we're still waiting, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, we've got people complaining that uh, health, the Health app, the iOS 8 Health app, does not track menstruation, which uh-huh. is important for a certain portion of the population. Half? Hello? Hello? Yeah. Maybe maybe half. Maybe yeah, half. Yeah. And, and, and just as a sidebar, if you've looked at the health app, you can see the granular detail it goes on the things that it tracks. It's well, crazy. I just want to point out with the menstruation thing that there are 
I'm looking at the health app, the health data thing, which we can talk about. You can track your intake of vitamin B12, uh, zinc, sleep analysis, uh, respiratory rate, peak expiratory flow rate, but you can't track your period. That, uh-huh. to me, is insane. And, okay, so that's another thing. Um, we've also got problems with Bluetooth pairing to car Bluetooth audio systems. Uh, also to do with the health app is that a lot of people are having trouble with the health app, uh, syncing with it and with the apps that use it uh, in any capacity. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just it's pain everywhere. And that's just on the customer-facing side. On the developer side, it's also really, really painful. Um, just as a personal note, uh, with Xcode, I've been having a hell of a tro- uh, time working with it of late. I've been using Xcode for many years, and I think version 6.01, which is the current stable release that I'm using right now, is the most unstable version of Xcode I've ever used. And um, it doesn't necessarily crash on me, but I have to restart it all the time just, just so it can get its act together, just so that it can get its world in order, because imported files uh, don't work. Uh, you try to call a class uh, in a file that's been imported, and it doesn't see it has no idea what you're talking about. So there's a lot of uh, force cleaning your project, uh, deleting the derived data folder, restarting the simulator, resetting the simulator, just trying to get everything back to normal so that it can do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's just unstable. So there's all kinds of crap like that going on. And uh, just today, actually, uh, John Gruber pointed to a, a post by... What's his name? Rus- well, the name of the blog is Rusty Rants. Russell Ivanovic. And it's called It Just Works, this blog post. RustyShelf.org, right? RustyShelf.org, yeah. And the, we'll put the link in the show notes. I've got it here in the document. So the idea here is he's pretty much saying what I'm telling you. <laughs> I've been putting together these links that I've just been mentioning for the past few days. Uh, and this blog post came out today, the idea being that what the hell's going on here? Right? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It, it's, it's just bizarre how much stuff is broken. And we don't know why. Well, I, I, did, um, I did see something, I think it was last week, and I'm, I can't remember the, the actual sources you might remember, but there was a discussion, um, Daniel Jelkett, um and a few others were sort of saying that maybe Apple should slow down a bit. Yes. Like they're they're yes. trying to do too much too soon, and they're not, you know, they're... We met, messing up yeah. a lot. We yeah. mentioned this last week. You know, we okay. talked about the idea that uh, we need like a Snow Leopard style release of both Mac and iOS. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we would really love it. And Brent uh, Brent Simmons started this, said this as well, and he's been saying it probably for months that we need Apple to stop building whiz bang new features and and fix their crap. Right. Because they clearly don't have enough people to ensure the quality that this stuff needs. The problem here is that Apple is as fallible as anyone, but their reputation for quality is going to start to suffer if this keeps up. Yeah, they've got a they've got a real problem there because they what would happen to their stock and and from a business and a PR point of view if they ever did slow down. Uh, and you know, people like Samsung, they don't seem to care much if they put out a buggy release. And so they can go really, really fast. Uh, and Apple is based, you know, from from uh, business pressures to, to keep up. So it's sort of a catch twenty two. 
Yeah, it is. Did you, did you see the Galaxy Alpha phone with the no. screen gap issue? No. So their their brand new phone, which is Samsung, they rushed out because they were going to launch it like a, a month or two later. But because of the re- reception of the iPhone 6, they decided to come out with this new phone. And it has this gap between the the case and the screen. You can actually put a credit card into it. Mm. Wow. Um, and and Samsung says, no, that's that's to be expected. It's a manufacturing issue. We had to do it in order to blah, blah, blah. Um, wow. So, you know, and all kinds of crap and dust and gunk is going to get caught in there. But uh, Samsung is like, cool. And you don't hear anyone talking about it because yeah. nobody cares. Uh, I, you know, I talk to a lot of consumers of Apple product and and, and, the, and the Apple faithful, you know, the non-developer types expect that when Apple releases something that it's ready, really ready. Not not you know buggy or, or whatever, and the, and I'm not even talking about the people who invest in Apple or or the pundits or the press. I'm just talking about the general users of the products, you know, the ones who've been with Apple since all the bad times and the good times. Kind of expect Apple to be that sort of you know you know golden egg producing company, right? Yeah, they should, they should have that opinion, and it's it's well earned over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just the the diehard Apple fans from the 80s and the 90s. There are people that have come to the platforms. Uh, just in the last five years, you know, the iPhone brought them. And they have that impression of Apple as well. And it's going to suffer uh, right now. You know, the 801 update was, I think, just Disaster. De- yeah. devastating. Disaster. You know, when, when my wife says, you know, no, I'm not upgrading to iOS 8. You know, your mm. phone just got bricked. Right. Yeah, uh, right. And she's still on 7. And, you know, how good is that for <clears throat> Apple? Well, I, I think it's a a sticky situation for Apple because they're they're selling quality, right? That's why their device costs more than anybody else's device. So, I mean, I think there's a bit of a you get what you pay for that, that people are looking for, right? I, I paid more money. I expect this thing to be better than, uh, in this case, the Galaxy Note 4, um, which has this, this gap. It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Obviously, McDonald's hamburger is not going to be cooked evenly. But if I go to, you know, Mario Vitale's, restaurant i expect that meat to be cooked perfectly mm-hmm. right I'm, I'm paying for for quality there um so i think they definitely need to get their their business priorities in order if that's an impact on their resources obviously their their qa needs to be completely revamped because um, an 801 never should have happened but i also think it's kind of interesting um the health kit um tracking or lack thereof of menstruation that one's a different problem. That's not a quality problem from a, this is defective. This is a quality problem from a, you know, th- there's a complete lack of a female voice, apparently. True. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't even know it. So you can track your, the, the rate of, of how much air you're pushing out. Is that what I heard? Something of that, that nature? Yep. Yeah. That's Pulmonary. ridiculous. Who even needs that? Like who has Nobody. the equipment to track that? Very few people I'd imagine, right? Maybe if you got <laughs> sleep right. apnea and if you're a, you know, a, a professional athlete, but I'm pretty sure, you know, just about every woman of, of childbearing age wants to or needs to track their menstruation cycle. Absolutely. It, it would make it so valuable. Could you imagine? Like, I know women would love to be able to very easily, you know, and and with a, a great amount of data, uh, track their menstrual cycle because, you know, it's it's vital to so much, right? Just not not having it, it seems like a, a massive oversight, and it's totally different. You're right, Jaime, because it has nothing to do with the quality control. It's not a QA issue. 
Um, but it's, it's a very a complete. Diff- o- it's an oversight for sure. Yeah, for sure. Just a and before we get before we get in letters and comments about oversights, people who need to track their the amount of rate that they're breathing in and out would be asthmatics and people like that. Just you know, FYI. But yeah, it, coming back to the to, to the, the thread here is that um, it's kind of this is kind of there's been a, a sort of discussion in the last six months. It's ironic that that uh, you know the whole um, gender gap seems to be a huge issue in tech, and you know this is just another indication, another example, shining example of, of an oversight in that in that realm. You know, definitely. So. Um, I'm just really worried about Apple, and um, I hope they can get their act together because it's it's coming apart. Um, just be just as a, a parting shot here, um, Gruber was suggesting talking about decoupling hardware and software releases. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, pointing to that as a potential source of of this issue, which I can see. Right? You can imagine like the iPhone six launch is a fixed point in time. You know, right. in a Doctor yeah. Who sense, uh, where you've got this inevitable gravity pulling you towards a September launch of a piece of hardware. And by that time, by God, we are going to have a new version of iOS. Right, right. If if you could decouple those, then you could do what Apple does best. That is, ship when it's ready, you know? Um, so, discuss. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because... Cause, and, and... Um, I went through a whole bunch of things with, with you know, in, in the early 90s with uh, the software bubbles and stuff like that where we had some really good products, not necessarily from Apple, but from third parties, whatever. And for whatever reason, some new uh, group of people would come in and, and own, you know, buy out the, the original owners and, and take over the software, take over the company. And all of a sudden, the whole agenda behind why uh, apps get produced is from a different place. I think you were talking about... Um, Reddit earlier, similar kind of thing where you have new owners come in, they have a completely different perspective on how things should work, and they end up breaking a lot of things. Um, and I wonder if you think that's happening here in the case with Apple, because we don't have the chief table flipper anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, there used to be a guy at Apple who used to just, you know, lose it on a regular basis when things weren't being done right. You know, and that kind of kept, kept people in check. Even, you know, Scott Forstall had that reputation as well, right? Yeah, and, and Tim Cook is is known to be more of an operations guy than than a, a visionary product guy. Sure, that makes a difference, I guess. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think going back to what you were saying earlier, Aaron, I, I think it would be a mistake to decouple the releases. Uh, and the main reason is well, there's two main reasons that I can think of. One one is that when the new hardware comes out, part of the allure of the new hardware is that you have this new set of features that go with it and it's it's really a it's 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 really a showcase for the for the hardware some of the new fancy stuff you can do you'd lose that some of that effect uh in fact people might not even notice so much that the new hardware was coming out if the software didn't change uh another another reason is if you if you take a look at android and how much uh version uh, fracturing they've got there, never mind device fracture, uh, sorry, fragmentation you've got there. Uh Uh, You know, you've got devices that are released today that are still on, you know, six month or a year old versions of, of Android. Uh, And uh, there's, there's definitely no uh, well defined or regulated correlation between the version of the phone you're using and the version of the, of the software you're using. And it causes all sorts of problems. 
So I, I think going down that path would be a mistake, uh, although clearly something has to be done. Uh, but uh, I don't think that's the solution personally. So what if they did a little bit of both? So uh, my understanding is that 8.1, 8.2, and 8.3 are out there in the field, and they're they're doing things, uh, you know, Apple engineers. And as it is, iOS 8 didn't come with a lot of the big pieces they talked about, right? You, you don't have um, the continuity handoff stuff with Yosemite. You don't mm-hmm. have Apple Pay, this which is coming this month, but, you know, iOS 8.0 released two weeks ago. So why don't they do the big marketing features, right, where we're applicable, and, and get those to line up, you know, as your limited scope, get those to line up with what the consumers are expecting, right? New, you know, new iPhone device, new software, and then follow up with these other things like HealthKit can come out separately, maybe HomeKit, um, maybe some of their developer tools could come out separately. It doesn't all have to come out at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, I'm with you on that point. one. I remember being pretty surprised when I saw uh, the topics at, at WDC at how many just sort of um, not core features were there, like HealthKit and HomeKit, right? And as far as I can remember, this is there were more of more things like that that were just sort of outside of the mainstream iOS than there have been in the past. Is that just – did you guys get that feeling too or was that just you know my, uh, my take on it? You could add CarPlay to that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So it almost seems like uh, they've been inst- instead of focusing on the core iOS and the, or, or OS ten, they've been they've been spending a lot of time on peripheral things, uh, and then not getting everything done. So I guess this goes back to the thing we said at the beginning: slow down. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's kind of it's it, to me. It seems typical of a com- of a company company that's trying to serve the marketing needs as opposed to the right. actual product practical needs. I mean, admittedly, they're the biggest company in the world right now. But like, would it really hurt them? in a public sphere if they had to say that's not ready yet you know and and delay the launch or something we do that i mean when we build apps and things like that we you know we run into issues and and uh you know i often wonder about i hear about companies where they have like a two-week cycle where they iterate every two weeks no matter what right i mean how do you how do you manage that what if what if whatever you're working on isn't ready in the two weeks what do you do then you know so and and how how could Apple do that as well, and and, and still be the most popular company in the world? You know, I yeah. think they're still going to be from the point of view of the hardware and, and the, the way it works. But yeah, if they keep messing this stuff up, um, you know, it, it's going to create a lot of furrowed brows out there. Yeah. Do you, Do you think they would have sold any fewer iPhone sixes and six pluses if HomeKit had never been mentioned? Not at all. I, I can't, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a natural place, right? So I think um, HealthKit, they could have held off on because even though the device itself can do some tracking, um, that really feels like a natural pairing with the Apple Watch, right? But at least they've got a device that's coming out in, you know, early part of 2015 that they could talk about with that. But HomeKit has, you know, as of this recording, has precisely zero devices that have Apple's brand name on them that go with it. So why did that have to be ready to roll in September? Now, does, does HomeKit work with the third-party stuff like the door locks and the thermostats? I mean, I'm, the... I'm sure it does, but there's no Apple device. Therefore, there's right, no right. urgency to get into the space. Nobody owns that space. So it, it's open right. green field for everybody to go in and try to take over. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to come back to, to HealthKit for a minute because because I'm actually, to be honest with you, personally confused by it because, um, you know, I have HealthKit on my device. All I've been able to do is go and put my emergency contact number in and my birth date. 
Um, I've got, you know, I'm running some apps that track my movement and walks and stuff like that. And I see people posting um, pictures of, on Twitter and on the web. You know, Andy Anako put, posted a picture of, of his, you know, nice little graph that, that HealthKit drew for him. Why is, uh, how am I not able to get information in my HealthKit? Is there something that I'm missing? Like, do I need a piece of hardware or something to communicate with it? Or is it or is there specific apps that talk to HealthKit? Do you guys know? Yes and yes. So okay. yeah, you, you need apps that talk to HealthKit, and those apps are probably connected to some kind of hardware device to actually do the measuring. So I use a couple of apps right now. Um, one of them is, uh, let's see here, just get it up, uh, my Fitbit app. Right. Mm-hmm. So the Fitbit app can theoretically transmit the steps and the calories burned to HealthKit. Okay. And I have Fuelband. I probably should try that. Yeah, it probably works too. If you go into the health app and open it up, you can see that there's a sources tab. And I can actually, it looks like the Fitbit app has not been uh, set up for this. But mm-hmm. I, I have another app called Lose It, which lets me track. Oh, yeah, that one. I, I, use my, uh, I use that to track what I eat every day. Uh, and it takes data from Fitbit so it can uh, count the steps. And Ooh. basically, what it does is it uh, allows it to read data. Uh, which is all dietary stuff, calories, carbs, cholesterol, fiber, protein, fat, sodium, sugar, total fat. Um, and it can read that data from uh, the the health kit data store, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. So as, as you enter that stuff in using some app that does this, which doesn't exist yet, then apps like Lose It can share that stuff. Right, right. Okay. And you know, I I would expect that these this this communication channel to be two di- two directional, right? So that it can come and go. You know, because you might enter data into this app, then this this app should share it with HealthKit. So, and given the fact that you know what I've been talking about, the fact that health is not really working properly, and Apple has also pulled apps to do with the HealthKit integration, um, you shouldn't expect to see too much happening right now. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I was just curious about that. Like, and I do have those. I do have a couple of apps that you mentioned there. Just uh, yeah, I got nothing going on in my health kit. Yep. Okay. So it's because it's not freaking working. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so you were mentioned the the bit about cloud drive um, restoration being an issue. So yep. can you f- give us some poop on that. Sure. I'd love to give you poop on that. So go into your if get your iPhones out. <laughs> go yeah. go to settings general. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no. Fine, don't. Okay. No, I will. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> okay. Go to settings in general at the very bottom of general, hit reset. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And then you've got a whole bunch of choices for resetting, all right? Yeah. Um so reset all settings, okay? Is the first one. And this is the thing that you would do if you were just having problems with your phone. Like mm-hmm. you notice your your battery's draining too quickly, um, apps are, are quitting, things are just going wrong. And if you want a way to fix that or have a really good chance, this is like the equivalent of zapping your PRAM and rebuilding your desktop. Okay. Um, except, you know, back in the classic Mac days, not, not nowadays where that actually does mean nothing. But mm-hmm. on the iPhone, this actually does a lot. And an Apple genius will tell you that's kind of one of the first things you do if you're having issues with your phone. Um, now, if you do this, you reset your settings, it, it just takes, it gets rid of things that um, are not your data. 
and it even says so. It says this this will just remove settings around your your network settings and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. But it will not delete your personal data. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so people who have done this have found that surprise, it kills your iCloud Drive documents, blows them away. Hmm. That's not good. N- really? No. I yeah. Think that's, no. I mean, that's I bad. That, data loss is a bad thing. Yeah. Data yeah. loss is a very bad thing. That's a huge bad. Big so bad. Even even on other devices or or your Mac and all that, it's it's yeah. If it gone? blows away your iCloud uh, yeah. file storage, then it's, it's just gone. gone. Wow. Gone. Hmm. So don't do that. Yeah. Okay, I won't. So that's the the nut of it, and it's just um, well, to me, it's mind blowing. Mind blowing. Do you think it's uh, maybe a slightly less bad bug related to the the warning message about don't up, upgrade to iOS drive, uh, iOS Cloud Drive, or, or what are, would that that wouldn't you yeah. when you upgrade to iOS? Maybe when you hit that reset, it's automatically turning that on, so you <laughs> just don't have access to anything yeah, or something maybe. like that. I mean, it's. It would be a pretty, pretty bad bug if it's actually going into the disk and deleting all that data, right? Well, um, it sounds like it is. That's, that's well, what that it, it, we just we don't know. We don't really know what it's doing. We just know that you don't have access to that data, right? We don't know that the data is actually physically gone. I mean, I'm sure it's not, right? It's Aaron, do we, do, we have, do we have any knowledge from personal experience about that, Aaron? Well, God, no personal experience about this one, thank Christ. But uh, <laughs> there's, I've, I've got a link to an article um, in the document, which you can add to the show notes, please. Sure. And yep. mm-hmm. um, it, it explains this thing in more detail. Right. So do they actually – explicitly say that you know, Apple has confirmed that that data is destroyed or do you just not have access to your own data? Because um, how would you as a user know? You wouldn't know, right? If if uh, App- Apple says, oh, that's, that drive is just empty, you know, that folder is right. empty, you don't know whether the data is really gone or whether you just don't have the right permissions to see it. Right. Uh, let me re- read you what yeah. uh, okay. Mac, Ru- Mac Rumors uh, made a report. The article I sent is from CNET. Mm-hmm. Um, Mac Rumor says, in our own testing, using reset all settings, deleted all iWork documents stored in iCloud Drive on the phone and on iCloud.com. After Ooh. allowing time for syncing to a Mac running OS X Yosemite, all the documents disappeared from that machine as well. Preview and text edit documents, which cannot be accessed on the phone, remain untouched on the Mac. Mm. Um, Apple did not respond to a re- request for comment. Yeah. So yeah, like so, all the pages and, and yeah. uh, numbers and so the idea being that stuff. this is this is iCloud Drive, right? Which you know you should only use if you have Yosemite on your Mac, by the way, um, mm-hmm. because if you activate it without being on Yosemite, if you're a Mavericks user, then it'll blow away whatever you have in non iCloud Drive iCloud, if that makes sense. So <laughs> um, th- this is just a bag of hurt all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I-, I suspect though that it's just yet another example of of. Apple's QA not being good enough, and the yep. data really is still there. And they, you know, they could probably manually go in one by one and turn it back on for every user. Uh, but you know, they, and they may have to do that, I suppose. Uh, yeah. But but I, I, I mean, it sounds to me like they just when you do that, they're just shutting off your access, and you never even see it. Well, I hope it is that simple. Yeah. No, yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. You know, I. I worked for a, a company where the CEO was fond of saying, look, they're going to throw rocks at us. 
let's not give them additional rocks right. <laughs> to throw at us. Yeah. And, 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 and Apple's in that spot, right? They're, they're going to get dinged on anything. Oh, look, the iPhone 6 Plus can't withstand a tactical nuke. Okay, well, that's going to be an article on The Verge, but uh, let's not give them additional <laughs> rocks to throw at us. How about that? Right. But you know, but you know what? It's, it's kind of like Apple has gotten so big. I mean, I mean I've been dealing with Apple for 20 years now, and... and I don't think they've ever really been phaseable. You know what I mean? Like the, they have their they have their little sort of secret secret society, secret handshakes that they have, and and you know they they have a siloed environment which we've just talked about in the past. But they just as a as a company have never really sort of seemed flappable from the point of view of of people being able to 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 get them upset. I mean, it's surprising. I mean, notwithstanding eight hundred one being a huge disaster, and the other thing that uh, Tim Cook had to talk about the other day. Uh, I think it was Bengate, maybe, um, but they they just they just seem to have this like you know very very thick skin, right? Well, but you don't know that. I mean, they they don't show it obviously. No, but oh yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's a very it, man. It's a very managed managed. They always uh, have PR, been. right? Yeah. The, the the funny thing though is that Apple is getting its ass kicked out there uh, over this Bendgate thing, which yeah. is not a real issue. Meanwhile, yeah. there's real stuff going on here that isn't getting a tenth of the attention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because I think it's because it's not as clear cut. You know, it's it's much more difficult to explain these issues. Yeah. Uh, whereas a, a bending iPhone is easy to see in a, in a cool YouTube video, but yeah. you can't you can't have a YouTube video demonstrating this this laundry list of of terrible things that are happening on the software side. That's an interesting point. It, it may be that Bengate was the best thing that ever happened to Apple because it distracted from the real stories. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Interesting point. Well, speaking of another issue that, that's that's close to our hearts and, and sort of the bend gate for the developers is is the whole transition to Swift as a, as a programming language. I mean, the promise, you know, you know, I, I write for Ray, Ray Winderlich and, and a lot of what um, we're being asked to do is write our tutorials in Swift and there's copious amounts of books have now come out in the last couple of weeks that are been on the launch pad waiting for the release of, of iOS 8. Um, and, you know, there's, there's some of us are still, you know, working in Objective-C. Some of us are working in Swift. Some of us work in Swift and we still use semicolons. Um, but there have been sort of the pioneers of, of the whole thing, you know, the Ash Furrows and the Marco Armets of the world that have jumped in with both feet, Rob Ricks as well. Um, and they're they're really trying to make Swift work, and yet it seems like they keep running up with challenges. You see things on Twitter all the time. So I know Aaron, you posted something about uh, is it the right time for Swift, and and do you want to take that one on? Yeah, sure. Um, well, I, it's all kind of started with a series of tweets from Ash on uh, two days ago, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's. <laughs> it's it really rocked my world to be frank because he from the very start is uh has been a huge proponent of swift ever since the 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 language was announced back in wwdc um you know and he really jumped on board with it and he's a developer that i really respect as well Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i mean i I feel like i should precede that by saying so because you know just if just anyone jumped on swift they'd be a fanboy but when ash does i pay attention so having said that he's been since since swift has gone 1.0 there's been a, a sense that, okay, you know, it's it's out of beta. We can start using it, and technically you can. You could submit apps using Swift uh, right now. Um, no problem. But 
with with Ash's case, he's he's actually on the road to doing so and is getting really frustrated with the issues that Swift has. And he doesn't get specific because it's Twitter, but I can guess what they are. They're like the the compiler uh, with the tools that are there for that, um, and the syntax, and uh, the just the build tools, the build chain, getting kind of kind of janked quite a bit. Uh, I'll just read you what he said here. Uh, so he's got a he was just kind of reflecting on it and. You know, he says he's growing more and more disenfranchised and frustrated with Swift and Apple's handling of its introduction as time goes on. It's one tweet. And then he, uh, when I asked him what's going on, he said, there's a deadline coming up and we're still fixing problems with the language. I feel like I've made a mistake in choosing Swift. I'm feeling guilt. <laughs> yeah, and the, and, well, the other thing, too, is, is that, and, he, and he was saying that 601 or 602 Xcode has made things even even worse. Yeah, all 6.1. The way through, yeah, all the way through... All the way through um, the evolution of, of Xcode 6 and, and towards iOS 8, um, Apple has been, it's kind of like, you know, they had this app, that was this language that was ready to go, and they kept rewriting it as we went because things changed. I mean, example apps that you would you would find and you work on, you know, three, four months ago, no longer compile because Apple's changed the language as well, right? Yeah, it's, that's actually not supposed to happen. Oh, no, wait, that that yeah. is supposed to happen. My apologies, but... Um, it's it's unquestionable that there's all kinds of wacky stuff going on that makes it very difficult for people to code against it because it's a moving target. Even mm-hmm. after hitting 1.0, it remains a moving target. And a classic example of that was was the way that uh, optionals and IV outlets are handled. That right. changed three or four times, I think. It's crazy. It started. The other point that came up, uh, Marco Arment, uh, founder of Instapaper and now uh, of Insta... <sighs> I'm sorry, Overcast. <laughs> I want to say Instacast. He should have taken that name. Is that uh, he is no fan of Swift. Now, you know, he's he's kind of known as to be something of a retrograde programmer because he still uses PHP. Um, but huh? uh, Wait, what? 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 what, what? <laughs> PHP, yeah. Sorry, he doesn't, Tim, I, he doesn't I believe in relational joins either. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow, really? Let's not laugh at him, too. He's a respected programmer. I mean, you can't argue with the results, okay? That's all I want to say for him. Um, <laughs> we could all do with a bit of his success. Um, now, he's no fan of Swift, and he's, I think legitimately, he questions that the idea that Swift is a simple language to learn. Uh, I think a lot of people uh, wanted to believe that when Swift was first introduced, hmm. that um, on its face, it does appear to be a simple language. That if you know something like Ruby, as I do, um, mm-hmm. that you can see that there's a lot to like in Swift on its surface. But once you get into it and you get into things like the optionals and like generics, um, you start to see Swift as something that's more akin to C++. And uh, that's very interesting to me and also a little bit scary. It, to me, I can tell you, having I work in a lot of different languages, including PHP. Uh, I just want to point out, but um, you know, Java and and uh, JavaScript and Flash and all that kind of all those other kind of nonsense languages. Um, and Swift looks very similar to those in terms of how you declare variables and how you call methods and stuff like that. And the big challenge for me, actually, in the last five years, was getting into Objective C and, and learning the way that things work there. But um, it does appear on the surface that that um, Swift is more similar to those other languages like Ruby and, and uh, things like that. To I see a lot to, of Python in it as well. Yeah, you were saying that yeah. the other day, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. but that, I think that's like a surface comparison. That, and I think if you don't get too deep into it, you could you could cruise at that altitude all you like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think anyone who kind of gets deep into Swift is going to very quickly produce code that you wouldn't recognize. Mm. And uh, that I've, I've seen evidence of that when people have published frameworks uh, in Swift. I look at their code and I'm thinking to myself, what the heck is this? Like, I write Swift, but I don't write it like this. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so there's a, a new book published today uh, called, oh my goodness, it is Functional Swift. Did you guys see that? Is that from the Pragmatic Bookshelf? Yes, I believe so. I'm sorry I didn't prepare this. Um, no, it was from the Objective-C.io folks functional programming in swift is the name of the book and that was just published today it's available as a 39 dollar ebook or 59 dollar paperback which isn't quite available yet but the ebook you can buy today Mm -hmm. and uh this is the first i to my knowledge anyway it's the first third party uh piece of documentation about uh programming in swift and this book is actually comes from a functional perspective. Uh, that's a style of programming, functional programming. Mm-hmm. If uh, if anyone here has used Reactive Cocoa, you might have had a taste of functional programming. Um, and Swift is pretty well suited towards functional programming. And this book explains how to do it. Um, some of the exercises uh, are pretty difficult. And for someone who's into Objective-C, they are going to have a heck of a time getting up to speed with this stuff, I think. So well, maybe it's just unfortunate that that's the first one that's out, uh, since probably a huge percentage, ninety percent of the people who use Swift, assuming that it does eventually catch on, won't be using a functional style. They'll be using more of a standard object-oriented style. Yeah, you may be right. You may be right. Um, it's just uh, I think there's just so much that we don't know yet, and yeah. Yeah. the. I, ever since Swift was introduced, I've, uh, you know, lazily, I'll, I'll, you know, happily confess, uh, <laughs> have been hoping for someone to tell me what idiomatic Swift is, mm-hmm. if yep. you mm-hmm. take my meaning, you know, and, and yep. just to be clear, I mean that, you know, what what are the styles, what are the um, the mores around programming in Swift, just like we have them in Objective-C, like it has a very particular style to it. That um, um, a culture around the way that we we build applications with this language, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like we have that in Swift yet. And we uh, learned we learned a lot of that from the Apple sample code over the years. I think, of course, yeah. And uh, since that's since those are still changing weekly, it may be a while before we get that in Swift. That's right. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. so in in my sort of meanderings around the internet and listening to people talk, um, they say, "Hey, you know." Anything that you're doing new today, you should write in Swift. Yeah, that's what I've heard too. Yeah. You know, um, and that's just an opinion. I can't get, I can't get behind that right now. No, and it's interesting. I was going to, I should also say uh, that iOS eight by tutorials by uh, from Ray Wunderlich's group has just launched too, and it's it's written, it's all iOS eight APIs with Swift. And uh, Lynda dot com has just launched a, a introduction to Swift course as well. So. Um, it kind of it kind of seems like a lot of people want to get behind it, um, but yeah, I, I kind of wonder about those decisions, right? Yeah, so I think there's it's all just a, a couple of these issues, at least from from my take. Uh, one, to to Marco's idea of like, well, it doesn't seem easier. It's like, well, 
okay, but that's because he's had, you know, years and years of objective C. I think if he was to look at it from, you know, Marco starting to learn objective C and Marco starting to learn Swift, I would gather that even with the crazy changes that have happened, um, he'd be probably just as good at Swift and it would be just as easy to him and objective C with all of its weird gnarled, uh, corners. That, that's uh-huh. a great point. He, he may be forgetting how much time he spent, uh, debugging retain and release issues in the early days when he was first learning how to code the sure. objective C. Yeah, sure. And, and, and Swift, because it has to interoperate with objective C inherits by, you know, by design, but sort of like by evolutionary accident, um, these issues as well. So that should be taken under consideration. Now, with regard to is Swift ready for prime time, I'd say, you know, back in June, absolutely not. Um, as of today, it sort of barely is, but only only if you're not under the gun with a very tight schedule. I think if you're, uh, you know, currently an iOS developer and you're on a tight deadline and you're not sure if you're, all your scope is going to get done, even if you were to do an Objective-C, you should absolutely not be using Swift. Because That's it's exactly where I target. am. Yep. It's, it's it's an area for experimentation where you have some, uh, you know, you can do some production work, but just as long as you're not like, hey, you know what, that trade show is in a month, so um, get it done, right? That, that it's not ready for that yet. It, it doesn't have the years of support. There aren't, you know, tens of thousands of Stack Overflow articles and RayWenderlich.com and Yahoo Answers and everything under the sun that Objective C has. Um, and and I also think that. Part of what's going into this here, um, and, and maybe this is a, a segue into Jared Sinclair's blog, is mm-hmm. you know there's there's just not one consumer of of this whole paradigm here, right? There's brand new people who you know if you're a student, go ahead and learn Swift. That's fine, you know, good, just just go with it. You, you don't have anything that's that's near and dear or, or production ready. That's cool. Um, and and there's folks who've been rather invested in, in Objective-C and if they have apps that they're maintaining that uh, just need to continue to run with minimal investment, Swift is probably not for you either. That's right. So right. I think there's, there's a sweet spot. And there's also, I think because Swift is, uh, I think, very similar to Objective-C that it's pretty much just the Apple ecosystem, you end up with concepts being tied together that aren't really tied together, right? Um so, so Jarrett Sinclair's blog post says, you know, he's talking about a little bit of history of, of change in, in, in things, the app ecosystem, like the addition of Arc to, you know, remove the manual retain release cycle piece. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes into his acknowledgement that Swift is, um, you know, a better language, a better design language than, than Objective-C for the most part. And it makes some things better. But then he talks about, well, okay, so it's, so it's a better language. Let's let's take that for granted. But does this really help me with the big problems that I have? And he says, no, it doesn't help me with you know databases and persistence and mm-hmm. JSON and RESTful APIs and triggers and responses and UI layout. I mean, what he's really talking about there is is he wants something that's better than what Coco and Coco Touch are providing, right? But Coco mm-hmm. and Coco Touch are not the same as Objective C, even though. They might as well be, because if you're learning Objective-C, you're having to use those as well, because Apple's ecosystem is the only one that's making use of this. Yeah, right, right. exactly, exactly. But, but on the other hand, you know, it, it has to start somewhere, right? Maybe in two years, three years, five years, we'll be saying, wow, we can't live without Swift, and this is so amazing. And, <laughs> I mean, it's possible, right? Uh, you know, if... if uh, 
if Apple never released Swift, we'd never know. And, and we'd be using Director C forever, and, and maybe it would run out of steam at some point. I don't know. Seems unlikely. But I think the, the point that Jared's making here, and I don't know if he says it because I haven't read it yet. <laughs> Accidental. Is that he's looking for frameworks that are written in Swift, I bet. I think we all might be. If if we don't have any frameworks that are written in Swift, then it's it's the style of the language, whatever the core of Swift is that it represents. This this modern clean syntax um, can't we can't take advantage of it yet. Ooh. You know, if if all we're doing when we're writing Swift right now is trying to translate the the Cocoa framework API into Swift language, then it's not really going to be any different coding an application in Swift or in Objective C. That's that's kind of been my takeaway from this, you know. Like I, I haven't done a ton. I know I've been um, writing sample apps. When I when I have one that I need to write, I'll write it in Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I do that, I'm finding that I'm just translating the things that I'm doing in Objective C into Swift syntax, basically. <laughs> well, I think it's about time to wrap things up. So uh, why don't we go around the table and see if anybody has <laughs> any new technologies or new ideas that they want to introduce to the group. So, uh, Jaime, do you have anything? Yeah, I don't think this really is the the lofty goal of new technology or uh, new idea, but it's 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 kind of more of an oddity, uh, and, I, and so I thought it was kind of pretty entertaining. It's an app on the App Store called Doubly, and the idea is that you take pictures and and primarily selfies, and it's got a wheel based uh, UI that lets you put you know stickers on there that are celebrities or current memes so if you really wanted to see what scarlett johansson would look like falling down your stairs you can do that and they've got kind of an interesting they've got a couple of interesting ui concepts so they have a, a very minimalist ui um, you fire up the app it's pretty much just the camera uh, and this tiny little corner for the wheel and uh, there's some rough edges to be to be sure but they they hit a lot of points that could make this sort of thing go viral, right? So you can very quickly take a picture, add a sticker of, you know, Kermit the Frog drinking Lipton tea, and then easily just like tap, 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 share on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And it, it's actually kind of neat from a, you know, popcorn app sort of idea. Hmm. <laughs> Made with love in San Francisco with fifty million dollars in venture capital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't love. say that on this page. It sure, I thought it would. <laughs> so, Aaron, you have a new uh, iPhone case to tell us about, don't you? Do I? Oh, if you'd yeah. like to hear about it, okay. Sure, why not? Um, well, one of the very first case manufacturers to produce for I'm. Uh, the iPhone 6, other than Apple themselves, of course, mm-hmm. is a company called Spigen, and S-P-I-G-E-N. And I believe, uh, from what I've heard about them anyway, that they're one of those uh, guys that makes the bet on the case designs coming out of the Asian supply chain. Mm-hmm. And so they get these cases uh, I- into the market uh, exactly when the phone launches, and they're one of the first to do so. Uh, I got a tip about this from friend of the show farley caesar uh he found out uh, about these guys and uh we together ordered uh one of these cases it is ultra thin uh transparent or mostly transparent and it just hugs the back and the sides of the iphone 6 i don't believe it's available for the plus uh at least 
Oh, wait, it must be because that's what Farley ordered and that's, of course, what he has. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's just coming a little later. So you can order these now and I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for you. The idea is that uh, this case is um, it's just, just to protect from scratches, basically, uh, if you were to bump it against things. So um, other than that, it doesn't add any bulk. It's very smooth. It's very sleek. Uh, it, it fits pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, not 100%. I don't think it probably has the... Um, the uh, what do we call that when it's really tight? The the tight margins say that that an Apple case might. When I look at the volume rocker switches, doesn't quite line up perfectly. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas an Apple case, I'm certain would. On the whole, though, it does exactly what it says on the tin, and uh, I would recommend it for it's about twenty dollars. So, it's it's a pretty easy decision to make. Cool. Coming yeah. from the aerospace world, we call those tolerances. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you. Should we briefly talk about Elo before uh, next week's show and then it's no longer relevant? Elo is a new social network that's all the buzz these days. Uh, it's it's you know the, the next uh, Facebook killer out there. And its big thing is that it has no ads. It does no tracking. And uh, of course, it's invite only, and it's you know it's very limited right now. It's it's a mm-hmm. little bit hard to, to get in. So Have you got an invite yet? I've been invited. Yeah, if you guys want yeah, to invite, I, I, let me know. Yeah, I've yeah. got I've, I've got yeah. I got invited too, and I just invited uh, Jaime today as well. Okay, Aaron's not interested. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now I you know I went on there and I saw my one friend, the person who invited me, and and there wasn't a whole lot going on, so yeah. I left and haven't been back. Well, my my thing about it is. To me, I was telling the guys earlier, It's I know it's supposed to be designed by these great designers who've got this new look on the world and whatever. Um, it, it comes in one color, you know, as long as you like black. And it looks very sparse. It looks like something somebody would make in their basement as a prototype app. Mm-hmm. Oh, ow. Yeah, it's very, it, it, it's, I mean, their, their, uh, their, fa- their frequently asked questions page is actually WTF, and that's a very good name for it. Mm. Um, because it's, it, you know, I've, I've used it a couple for a couple of hours today. You know, I've used it on my iPhone in the mobile setting. doesn't have a mobile app yet. There are APIs available, and, and they're very straightforward. Just you know, it spits out JSON if you're interested. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're looking looking at the app on, on a website, you know, I there's nothing, like my mother would never use that. Not my mother would ever use an app, but it's not it's not Facebook. It doesn't have the doesn't have any kind of uh, real clear design sense. It looks like something somebody made in their basement, literally. Yeah. You know, I you know I heard about it last week and I applied for uh, uh, an invite and got back a thanks thanks for for asking, but we're gonna you know get back to you later on. And then I, w- I went to a show last night with a friend of mine who had an account and she said she would send me a, an invite, so I had her do that this morning. Um, just because I'm curious, I wanted to see. I you know as you may may or may not know. Uh, we we tried to build a social networking app back in you know 2005, and um, you know so it's, it's an interesting thing to see what what people are doing today in terms of in terms of that kind of stuff. But it's it's very very basic in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't see um, it's not going to impress a lot of people. I mean the, the the geeks of the world will get into it right away, um, you know. But I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to it's there's work to be done before it becomes a popular thing. Now that said. Jaime, you were telling me before the broadcast today some stuff that I didn't know. Like, if you want privacy, it, there's a charge for that, or something similar to that idea. So it, it seems like many things on this site are are changing, and even the the article that we'll put in the show notes um, kind of 
points to that, like their, their policy on uh, pornography and has changed over time. So this might be subject to change, but at one point they, uh, you know, everything on, on LO is public. So if you are talking to somebody else, everybody in the world can see that it's basically like, Word, like, yeah. like yeah. WordPress or Tumblr. Right. Um, right. so they were going to charge for other things. So with the idea being that if they're not charging for ads and they're not doing the Google and the Facebook bit, well, you know, we'll, we'll charge you for private messaging, right? So your privacy becomes a feature that they, they take money directly from you for, right? Um, that's not an unreasonable thing. And I think if it was really just a bootstrappy, there's three people in a basement trying to get this off the ground, I think uh, people would be a little happier with it. It's come mm -hmm. to light that they've taken $500,000 of investment from a venture capitalist. Nice. As everybody knows, eventually there has to be some sort of return, right? So the model that they're espousing is, is just not going to scale. So I think they're going to lead down one of two paths. They either have to betray their users and turn people into the product, right? And, mm -hmm. and start selling ads or start selling people's personal information, analytics about them. Or they're going to go the route of staying true to their original vision and never really get very big or... They'll be like, hey, you know what? We, we don't have enough money to keep the servers on. Sorry, guys. Bye. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, like, you know, I'm happy to look at it and and see uh, see what becomes of it. You know, always curious about this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that about calls it for the day. So, um, by the way, Aaron, did you listen to the very end of the last podcast? I think think so there's like a little marvel trailer there oh i guess i must have missed it <laughs> it's like a zinger it's great damn <laughs> so i think i just ran out of time right, so I'm, i gotta go back and listen to is what you're telling me yeah well, you're not gonna tell just, me. Have, just have listened to the end of it Fine. um okay so uh <laughs> how do we end the show you tell me i tell you where you can yeah, find yeah, me yeah, okay. aaron.ve.ca or at aaron Vay on twitter and Jaime, where can people find you? DevOfTheHair.com and on Twitter is at DevOfTheHair. And Mark, where can people find you? Mark R at Smapsoft.com or www.Smapsoft.com or at Smapsoft on Twitter. On Twitter. And what about on uh, LO? I forget. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> I logged in once. I don't remember. I'll, I'll have it next week for you. And once again, my name is Tim Mitra. I am uh, Tim Mitra at I, on Twitter at, at T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. I'm also at Tim Mitra on L-O dot, dot I-O, I guess it is. No, is it dot I-O? No, dot C-O. Whatever, I'll edit it back in. Um, and I also host the podcast, or host the website where the podcast is currently being hosted. Um, in future, we're going to have, we have a, um, a new uh, Twitter account at MTJC underscore podcast on Twitter, and uh, we will be launching a website for the for the podcast as well in uh, the near future. Um, so yeah, I guess that's about it, and everybody can say goodbye now. Goodbye, goodbye. I'm just waiting for Mac. He's sleeping. Apparently, he's not going to bark today. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code podcast page on the IT Guy website at www.it-guy.com. There, you can find show notes and a summary of each episode. We also list links to items we talk about on the show, and there are links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, you can also leave us a comment on the website 
Also, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. And if you follow us on Twitter, you can always retweet our tweets about the show. Thanks. Hopefully, entertain the dog. Perfect. Uh, I don't know if you, yeah, you saw that Max taken to standing on my desk when he wants my attention. Yeah, that's a right. yeah. Eight, eighty pound dog on my desk. Much dog, very desk. Wow. Yes. Amazing. I tried to take a picture of him licking the microphone so we could have him in the podcast pictures, but you know, that'd make an interesting work. sound. <laughs> so you could I have him, you know. You could have a picture of him on your iPhone 6 Plus. Yeah. So I think I heard 80-pound dog, and it won't bend until 90. Oh, hey, right, there you go. Right, right. Good point. Yeah.